from a supplier and an ATP standpoint is that understanding of the, the very specifics of why this specific piece of equipment would benefit that individual and being able to educate clinicians that maybe don't know the equipment as well and understand, hey, if, if you know this piece of equipment will do this and it'll allow this person to do this, otherwise they won't be able to do whatever this activity is. And you know, there's you know, there's there's reasons why there's differences in the different types of even manual chairs and understanding those key differences and you know as, as simple as you know backrest angle well we can achieve this backrest angle to accommodate this range of motion restriction that's mm -hmm. not available in this other configuration so it's important to document that data and relay that in the justification episode nine of the DME Coach Podcast, where we are coaching you and cheering you on to get you through to the other end of the DME apocalypse. I hope everyone who has gone to the International Seating Symposium up in Vancouver, BC, strengthening and sharpening their wheelchair skills, as well as everyone who went to or is currently at MedTrade in Las Vegas, both of those conferences have been very influential in my development over the last 15 years, there's nothing better than talking with crazy smart people. I am super excited today on the DME Coach Podcast. We have Wade Lucas, Clinical Education Manager with Quantum Mobility. Wade recently came out to Yakima, Washington and put on some clinical education for our store which allowed us to train our local therapist. How do you write better chart notes so you're getting those wheelchairs covered by insurances? It's very important. And one of the best things we can do as vendors is to invest into our referral sources. So we're going to get into that with Wade. Also, um, we're going to kind of let you into I our our We have an ATP training program at our store because... Last I checked, none of the big vendors want to train independent suppliers in developing ATPs. VGM has done a wonderful job helping me out over the last decade uh, from the very first time I passed my ATP exam. But uh, if I had not had my ATP, I'd still be doing K1, K3, K4, K7 wheelchairs and would not be able to get into the higher end group three wheelchairs where, uh, well, one, we can take better care of our customers, but number two, the profit margins are significantly higher. So if you look at suppliers that have gone out of business, most of them, you're run of the mill, DME suppliers, oxygen suppliers versus your high end rehab companies. They've hurt, but they have not been nailed as hard as everyone else. So if you do not currently have an ATP and you do wheelchairs, that might be something that you want to slowly work towards. It's not something you can jump into all of a sudden, but this is why I wanted to have this interview with Wade Lucas. He will talk about what we can do to develop some of those ninja skills as we train ATPs if you currently don't have one or if you have one, how can we sharpen those skills? Currently, our company only has one ATP because a national vendor uh, poached <laughs> poached one of my ATPs. I did win a nice uh, settlement from them over the, over the time, but um, I'm in the process of training three more ATPs. So I'd be more than happy to uh, share how our business is doing with those if you guys reach out to me. But before we jump into the DME Coach interview, I want to just, I, I start every episode with a high low of the week. My high of the week. 
I just got back from California this week. I am currently in a master's program on executive coaching. And it was just an incredible week of training and classroom skills where I got to, I had that wonderful opportunity to hang out and go to school with several other executive coaches from different industries such as um, arts and music to restaurant chains such as such as Chick-fil-A um, and other fields as engineering. And we, we put our heads together. How can we, we shared what is working great in our coaching, how, how we help our customers in our coaching. And it was just a time of encouragement. And one of the things that coaches need, coaches need coaches, just to make sure we are pointed on the right direction. So when I coach you, there is a specific plan that I have, a proven plan to get you from point A to point B, from point B to point C, because every single business is different. Are you oxygen? Are you wheelchair? Are you just a general DME focus? We all have different focuses. So that was my highlight for the week. I am just, my head is exploding and I will be sharing a good amount of what I learned on the podcast. Now the low light for the week, of course, likewise is I had to leave for four days. I missed my family. And the hard thing is when you leave, as you go to a conference, such as the International Seating Symposium, work does not stop without you. So uh, good good thing is, is I have a wonderful team and they took care of everything with my store. But I'm trying to cram five days of work into two days and it has been crazy. So my head's exploding a little bit. As my old coach used to tell me, hey, Eric, there's nothing wrong with working half days. Now, if you know a half day, hey, there's 24 hours in a day. I've been working half days yesterday as well as today, only working 12 hours a day. But hey, nothing wrong with working a few half days to get ahead. So that's the low light of my week. But sometimes you have to have those stretch experiences to push yourself to the next level. So today, uh, we are going to listen to Wade Lucas, Clinical Education Manager with Quantum Mobility. Wade has done everything. He has been a supplier. He has been a vendor. He is a therapist. Um, and you will also, he is uh, currently out of Lincoln, Nebraska. So if you hear a little go big red, um, I, I used to be a track and field cross country athlete for the University of Nebraska. So there is a little bit of bias on my side. So go big red. And the interview I have with Wade, you will hear my voice is very uh, audible. Wade's voice is audible. I also have my three ATP trainees in the meeting. So when they're asking questions about what we can do to train as an ATP and get ready for the test, their voices are a little bit quieter. So just be aware uh, that's not a problem with your headphones. It is a, uh, I did not have them mic'd up in the interview. So, hey, listen in uh, very closely to Wade. He is going to share what it takes to become an ATP, or if you are an ATP, certain things you can do to stay sharp. Enjoy Wade Lucas with Quantum Mobility. I am here with Wade, Go Big Red, from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm a former Husker myself for two years, but I am uh, Wade. So tell me, who, what, is, what is your background in fitting and uh, therapist? Tell me your background regarding so, um well, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska originally. I went to physical therapy school at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Um, started my career off at a large inpatient acute rehab facility in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
um, became more involved with uh, seating and wheeled mobility evaluations, progressed from the need of spending about an hour a day doing consults and uh, fittings and uh, eventually progressing as our programs grew to uh, doing it full time, mm -hmm. uh, where I was doing evaluations, chair setups, adjustments, documentation, pressure mapping, um, to where my full day has turned into nothing but wheelchairs, which I've grown to love. And so. are, you, are you doing that as a supplier or as a therapist or both? As a supplier, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, as a physical therapist, then I went on and worked for the DME supplier uh -huh. um, as an ATP as well. Right on. And currently, do you work just for Quantum or do you work for someone else as well? Uh, right now, I'm full-time employed by Quantum as right clinical on. education manager. I do still do some PRN work as a physical therapist, but not involved in any wheelchair evaluations. Uh -huh. cool. So, so I, I told you a little bit about my story so far. And because I here in Yakima, but I'm also here with... Um, Kelly and Ben and Aaliyah, who will be sitting for the ATP test this year, and it's that they're learning underneath me, but I, what would you tell the supplier that currently does K1, K2, K3, K4, K7 wheelchairs, but they would like to get into complex rehab? How do you make that jump if they're not sure yet? And we kind of talked a little bit off the record, but how would they, how would someone do that? And the big thing and the way that I did it is I found a, and it wasn't necessarily a formal mentor, mm -hmm. but I became very close and worked very closely with one of my suppliers who had many years of, of experience. And mm -hmm. he um, was very patient and took the time to be able to um, answer my questions and not just be rushed through the entire process like let's hurry up and get this evaluation done so i can you know get this claim submitted and get it delivered and i can get paid mm -hmm. he took the time because he knew the benefit of of developing that that relationship and then being able to um you know ultimately giving that other person the experience <clears throat> helps him in in the long run because it makes him makes it easier for him with the the documentation and and you really have to have that person that uh to do it that has that drive to want to learn mm -hmm. to do it they have to um, have a passion for helping individuals and um, and, and want to be involved in improving the person's quality of life I, which I think you know I think that's why clinicians get involved and I think why ATP suppliers deep down get involved is that that desire to help people and and to, to improve quality of life make uh, promote independence um, I, you have to find that person that really wants that it's not just every person off the street you have to find the right person to not only be the mentor but also to be the mentee mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've stumbled into is when you say complex rehab there's a number of different chairs I'm, I'm literally thinking a basic k5 I'm thinking of a tilt and space chair but then there's also the group three tilt space recline elevate alternative controls um, is there a good place to start so let's say I'm a small DME in the middle of nowhere is mm -hmm. there a way is there a safe place to start that you would recommend for someone that doesn't have the luxury of learning under an experienced supplier what what really helped me the most is I was I was lucky enough to work for a company in at the rehab hospital where I had a very specialized position. So my they understood that my training needs were 
very different than the other clinicians in this large facility. So they were willing to um, allow me to go to very good um, education opportunities, going to the International Seating Symposium, mm -hmm. which is probably one of the best um, experiences that I've had because not only are the classes very quality as far as the education standpoint, but I learned just as much by being able to um, go around to the different suppliers. So being able to go to a medical trade show where you can gr grab somebody from that company and say, tell me about your products. Yes. Tell me what it does. Tell me how to adjust it. And, you know, tell me how it works. I want to know the details and why I might choose this piece of equipment instead of this piece of equipment or when what, it helps me understand what's out there because if we don't understand what's out there, we have no idea what to, what to choose. So, mm -hmm. you know, learning the basics and the anatomy and the physiology and the biomechanics of seating is important, but you also knowing that equipment and understand how those two relate um, is, is huge. Yeah. And I think that was probably, you know, being able to do that on a regular basis was... Is, is that like, your favorite trade show, the ISS, or are there other ones, or do you have one favorite over the other? That's probably been my, my favorite, mm -hmm. the one that I've been able to go to most often. There's, there's several other ones out there, but um, from, you know, the size and the amount of manufacturers that are there and representative to be able to learn from. Because oftentimes, you know, that's a big trade show where they have... You know, their educators are there. You know, the big companies have specific people designed for educate, education and on their products, and they're, they're able to sit down and, and all their equipment's there in one spot so they can get a very thorough explanation and mm -hmm. education on that topic. So Kelly, Aaliyah, and Ben are all sitting for their test this year. What recommendations do you have for them as they get ready to sit for their test? I honestly, I think, think there's a, a significant value in in the taking a preparatory class mm -hmm. um, you know it, it's so much um, a person learns so much by experience but there's also a certain level of book knowledge and very very specific things to to go through and, and topics it, it what's challenging is we become very experienced in the world of, world of wheeled seating and mobility but to the ATP exam, there's more than just seating and wheel mobility. There's all aspects of assistive technology yes, that we're not as familiar with in our day-to-day -day experiences. And so it's important to sit down and, you know, at least get an idea of where I need to focus. The prep class will help you not only prep for the class, but it also help you see where your weaknesses are and where you need to focus. Mm -hmm. It helps you focus your study, and I think a little bit. Kind of questions do you have since I'm we get to pick his brain one on one or four on one? Because <laughs> by the end of this year, all you guys want to be ATPs by the end of the year. We have a therapist sitting in front of us. What do you want to know? That's the whole thing about taking the ATP is you have to think like, or take, yeah, taking the test, you just have to think like the therapist. Because is that true? What, Do you have to think like a therapist? That's exactly what the I, test is geared for. I, I don't know that it's necessarily thinking like a, a therapist, is, but it's, it's sometimes you have to, whether I should say this or, or not, you have to think like you're someone from Resna who's writing <laughs> the exam, um, who most, most likely, most of them are 
therapist, but um, there's, you know, there's that, that's, that's an important part of <clears throat> understanding what the, the textbook says and the textbook way of, of doing it, because that's way, you know, what you're, what you're tested on. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, ex experiences in textbooks don't line up necessarily, but it's important to, you know, take that preparation class and understand, you know, that textbook side of it. I don't know that, like I said, I don't know I'd be taking it as a, as a therapist, but it is, you know, and, and I, when I took the exam, I, it was very comparable in difficulty to my, my board exams and not to scare anybody, but I mean, it's a, you know, it's not, you know, something that you can read a couple books and be, you know, you have to put the effort in and you have to um, be dedicated to doing it. So we, we just finished the continuing education class here and um, like most continuing education classes that have therapists in them, I always hear the template question, can you give me a handout that I check or can I have a template? So we frequently go and work with therapists and doctors. What is the best way to communicate that with a therapist? Because we cannot do their evaluations. We cannot do their templates. How Absolutely. do we communicate that? Well, it's important to educate them on, on the key, and I, I think there's a certain benefit to actually showing them what's actually written in coverage determination by Medicare and using the language that they're looking for and encouraging them to be thorough but not, and, and concise, not, you know, trying to add a bunch of extra jargon just to make it longer, be um, concise and, and just, and documenting the specific things that um, insurances and Medicare want to see in the documentation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that way um, it, it, they're not spending a ton of extra time writing things that they, they don't need. But looking at that coverage determination and, and showing them that um, this is what they're looking for. Yeah. And this is what we, we need to, it needs to be you know, stated very clearly, concisely, and easy to find in the documentation. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest hurdles we overcome is, especially like these gentlemen that were sitting back here, you know, they don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. It seems to be the, the biggest hurdle to overcome when you say, you know, this person could qualify for, you know, a K-5 instead of a K-1. Well, I don't have the time to do the evaluation. Um, how important do you feel it is to put the person in the best chair, and how can we communicate that to the therapist that, I mean, these kind of courses are really helpful in, in learning how to streamline some of that documentation. But how would, what kind of talking points should we use uh, when trying to overcome that hurdle? Well, and I think, you know, from a supplier and an ATP standpoint is that understanding of the, the very specifics of why this specific piece of equipment would benefit that individual and being able to educate clinicians that maybe don't know the equipment as well and understand, hey, if, if, you know, this piece of equipment will do this and it'll allow this person to do this, otherwise they won't be able to do whatever this activity is. And, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's reasons why there's differences in the different types of even manual chairs and understanding those key differences. And, you know, as, as simple as, you know, backrest angle, well, we can achieve this backrest angle to accommodate this range of motion restriction that's mm -hmm. not available in this other configuration. So it's important to document that data and relay that in the justification because that's 
that's a key to maintaining because then they come back to you and say, well, this equipment that you provided isn't supporting my person, right? Well, it's because we didn't, you know, recommend the right type of, of chair. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've stumbled into, and it's only since Medicare started doing the ADMC request because it's cut down on the time, is we will ask them to do something. Most are pretty good, but sometimes we'll just send it off to Medicare, knowing what the answer is going to be. Mm -hmm. So then we have the official letter in our hand that I can hand back to the doctor saying, we asked them to do it. They didn't, and it got denied. But it told us, can you please do this so we can resubmit it? That's been one of those things that actually mm -hmm. has been really helpful. Well, we're no longer the bad guy. Yes. Is CMS is the bad guy, actually, which then says you need to document why you can't use an optimally configured wheelchair, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I think in, in another benefit of that is when you take that denial or that request for more information back to that clinician, then it drives home the need for that to be included the next time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next time they say, oh, well, I included it this time. I need to make sure because, you know, as, as a clinician, nobody likes to double document. Nobody likes to have to do things over. Um, you know, they don't have time to write the documentation the first time, let alone to do an appeal and then a reappeal, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, teaching them how to document the necessary things, make it concise, complete, efficient, and mm -hmm. then and make it as efficient as, as possible and you know best utilize their time. So one of the things that we run into here in Yakima, in central Washington, is we get a lot of therapists straight out of PTOT school and they literally have told me, all I know about wheelchairs is what I learned in a four hour class. Mm -hmm. And now they're called to write an evaluation. How do we, what is your recommendation when you run into a PT or OT that, I mean, because that's literally what some of them have done. So right. how do we talk? One, one of the things that, that therapists should remember is that when you look at the components of an evaluation or a wheelchair evaluation or a seating and mobility evaluation, what part of that evaluation is different than a typical evaluation that we did 100 times during our clinical affiliations in school. We're, we're checking range of motion, we're checking strength, we're you know, checking the ability to ambulate. Um, you know, we're doing all of those things. Well, what makes that, what makes it different? Well, the big difference is, is you know, we determine what their, their needs are based off the results from our evaluation is applying it to the proper equipment. And that's mm -hmm. where the supplier comes in and having that team component of the therapist, you know, are doing their objective measurements and determining what the patient's needs are, and then the supplier being able to be there and say, okay, this is the piece of equipment that will help achieve that. Mm -hmm. And that's that key team approach and that, that collaboration between the, the clinician and the ATP supplier. Mm -hmm. And you, you jump into a really good thing, our relationship with the supplier, and this is where it's nice. I've, I've known Terry for 15 years now, but how to, what's the proper way that the supplier 
um, and providers should work together? What's the best way instead of saying, hey, I just need more free demo stuff? What's the best, what's the best relationship to have with our suppliers? Well, with the manufacturers, suppliers. And, and manufacturers. Excuse. Right, with the manufacturers, I mean, they're going to be the ex experts in their, mm -hmm. in their products. And it's, you know, um, from a manufacturer standpoint, it's our job that, that you guys understand you know, just like that question that I always, you know, that I relied on my supplier to do is to tell me what piece of equipment will accomplish this particular thing. Well, mm -hmm. it's our job to make sure that you understand our equipment in order to, to be able to make the proper recommendations and explain that to the, the clinicians and be able to say, okay, this person has these needs, this is the equipment, and why? Not just, here's the piece of equipment that I use all the time. This mm -hmm. is, I'm choosing this specific piece of equipment because this is what it does and this is how it will help the patient and this is why it's needed versus this piece of equipment. And I think that education component, I mean that's a big part of our job, is the main part of our job, whether it's you know our, our sales representative or our educators or you know our upper management, it's about educating suppliers, educating clinicians on the ins and outs of our equipment. Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of hopefully, you know, obviously I'm currently training them, but hopefully seeing three of my team members go from technicians to ATPs. If someone else is in my situation and they want to train up an ATP, who, who makes a good ATP? As you're looking for people, who, who do you think, ah, maybe I can train, you know, Betty or John or whomever, what, what, would, what would you look for when looking to train up an ATP from the inside? Well, I, I think the, the, big, the big thing is, is that it's, it comes down to does that person truly care about the individuals they're working with? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big thing. They have to be the patient, a patient-focused um, type individual. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I, you know, there's, it's the business and we have to keep the doors open, but we can't help our patients if you know if the doors are open but they have to have that patient focused and the willingness to do what's best for the patient mm -hmm. and um, you know I, I think that drive to help people and that just caring personality is is the first yep. thing so, and and, and kind of a, you a drive that, what else are you looking for anything else or is that I, I think they have to have um, you know obviously this solid work ethic and then the drive to be successful mm -hmm. and they uh, and you know when I worked for supplier I was I was uh, lucky enough to work for um, a company that he treated his ATPs like he always told us it's your business you give a certain you know you, he gave us a certain leeway and made it gave us a sense of ownership of it he was the owner but he gave us a sense of ownership over our, he goes, that's your business. I'm here to support you. I'll support you, I have, with anything I can, but you, you grow the business, you, you know, and, and if you give that person a certain amount of leeway, you have to have a drive and responsibility and kind of a passion for what, for what you're doing. You can't just go through the motions. Mm -hmm. So, um, Kelly, what do you think? There's something that you'd like to know from Wade, like I wish I would have known this, or you know. Like I said, I've been doing this for close to 20 years, just as an RTS, and you know I'm. Um, I agree with everything you just said. You have to have a passion for your 
you have to have a passion for what you're doing and you have to have um, you have to think of the patient always first mm -hmm. and take care of their needs the best the best way you can yep so what do you do then when you run into patients where something doesn't work right I'll, I'll give you an, I'll give you three examples you pick one of these the therapist doesn't justify the right piece of equipment. They will only justify the K4 wheelchair or the K5, or they'll only, what, what do you do when something doesn't meet where you think it needs to go to and then you kind of hit a dead end? How, how would you handle a situation like that? I, I think, the, I think it, it comes back to, again, similar to the, the point that Aaliyah, and the question that Aaliyah had mentioned is that education mm -hmm. um, standpoint. It's not only educating our clinicians, but it's taking the time to educate our patients as well and teaching our patients to giving them the information to be advocates for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, you know, educating on all sides of it, the clinician, the patient, and, and arming them with the power to, to make decisions. Um, you know, there's, there's times where that they need one a piece of equipment and they don't necessarily qualify by their insurance standards, but it's important to educate them on, on that, on that component. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if it's, if it's going to be a beneficial benefit to them and increase their, improve their quality of life and increase their independence, then it's important for us to educate them that that's, that's available. So I think that education standpoint of the, of the clinician and sometimes, you know, that, that's not, it's easier said than done, but it's really important of, you know, and sometimes, you know, repeat it and say, this is what we need to really consider, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, bring up examples in the past. You know, I had a patient similar to this that oh, it really worked, really worked well for, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it is, it is, that is a tough one sometimes. Um, what, what's your thoughts um, on where our industry, and when I say our industry, I'm talking about complex rehab, um, is moving in the next one to three years? Because, I mean, competitive bidding we know has just decimated mm -hmm. a large portion of our industry. But let, let's, let's be optimistic. The glass is half full. We're, uh, the industry is making changes. Where do you think, what's going to happen in the next one to three years? Where, where is it pointed in the right direction that you are encouraged by growth? Well, I, I think that we're really, um, through advocacy groups and, and, and even patient advocacies and, you know, patients having the knowledge to, um, to advocate for themselves, there's a lot, I, I see a lot of changes um, down the road as far as equipment that is vital to patients' well-being and function and independence that were previously non-covered items that you know, I think we'll eventually we'll, we'll continue to work and, and, and show third party payers and insurance mm -hmm. companies that these, these, uh, this equipment is, is important and it's just gonna, you know, and, and technology just continues to improve where technology was just three years ago compared to where it is today with the electronics and Bluetooth capabilities and everything is just gonna continue to improve and become more efficient and, and more user friendly mm -hmm. for our patients, and so I, I see a lot of progress with, with reimbursement funding, maybe not re, you know, with the with the funding and what's what's deemed a um, 
an option that's available instead of a you know a non um, covered item. Mm -hmm. You know, getting more important features covered and getting them coded and. Yeah. Um, and then also with the advancement in technologies with, you know, potential of, of, of drive controls that are out there. Um, eye gaze and, and, and that sort of thing is, is going to be, it's going to be very exciting. It's a very exciting time for us in our industry, I think, mm -hmm. right now. So, Ben, what are, what, what's a question that you might have? So, I guess one thing that I've seen is when I'm working with therapists, they see the technician and or ATP as the know-all for everything wheelchair, seating, um, I guess one is how often do you rely on other ATPs and uh, a lot of your people that you work with to overcome a problem that is being presented by a patient, whether it be positioning, whether their abilities to use specific pieces of equipment, um, how often are you working with others to solve a problem? Yeah, and that's that's a that's a good question, and and you know that's uh, r really important is to understand what your capabilities are, what your abilities are, what your experience level, what your knowledge level is, and you know one of the code of ethics in the Resna um, under Resna is that we will not you know partake in anything that we are not knowledgeable about or we sh that we shouldn't be doing. I mean that's the same thing with PT and OT code of ethics we don't you know we need to s stay within our um, you know what our abilities are what our knowledge base is you know our license gives us the you know the capabilities of doing different tra treatment techniques but that doesn't mean we should be doing them if we're not comfortable and we're not experienced doing that the same goes with you know your ATP certification if if it's something that you feel oh I don't have enough experience with this then it's important to find somebody that does, and, mm -hmm. and and you know, hopefully you have that. And there's there's lots of forums and different chat rooms, and there's resources out there to to get in touch if there's no if there's no one local that and that's that can the nice help. Thing that we've enjoyed with our relationship with Quantum, because I remember we had our first patient with alternative drive controls, and I was like, I've never done this, I can't do this, and Terry was like, Well, I can bring my kit, and we can work on it together, and it. We were able to do it, right? And it was, and that's the nice thing working with um, quantum in the process is you guys, you know, serve more than Central Washington. It's the entire United States, right? It's and that's what, you know that's a you know a big part of our role is is we're here for you guys, mm -hmm. and we're here for, and you know, with that being said, we're in here for the. The patients as well and mm -hmm. you know we're always here for a resource to support you know the the supplier the ATP supplier with with anything that we can. Mm -hmm. How about you Leah? Um, well I think one of the questions that arises in my head you, you know you're an ATP you also have the SMS could you maybe very quickly kind of describe what the next level is beyond the ATP and what it takes to achieve that? So when you, your, the ATP exam is, is a more general, a more broad assistive technology um, certification where it's dealing with a, a wide array of different things from seating and wheeled mobility to, you know, electronic activities of daily living, um, augmentative communication devices, where the seating and mobility specialist is really, um, you know, pinpointing in that seating and wheeled mobility and that 
um, you know, that extra um, credential above and beyond just, you know, specializing in seating and wheeled mobility um, more specifically um, versus those other, those other components. That's one of the things about this industry is, and, and a lot of therapists and some ATPs, you know, there isn't one ATP that knows everything about all of this stuff. It's like you learn something every day. Right. Today, you know, before class, you were talking about uh, different settings for the sip and puff. I had no clue that you could do that kind of stuff. And it, mm -hmm. you know, I'm constantly learning. Yeah. I don't know about retaining, but I'm constantly <laughs> <learning>. <laughs> uh, One of the things that we've actually really enjoyed about new technology is a lot of our patients, or I shouldn't say, a lot of our customers will email us, hey, I saw this on the internet. I saw this on YouTube. So talk to me about the new technology and how anyone can come to you with, you know, with, hey, I saw this on YouTube. And uh, how is that going to change our industry, you think, moving forward? I think, I think YouTube, from a standpoint of, of the education component, is, is huge. I mean, just from personal experience, I am by no means a mechanic or car person but then because of youtube i've been able to do simple repairs and things that have you know ultimately saved me some <laughs> money by by just doing it myself but you know kind of the, the same thing it, it allows us as a company when we have this advancing technology you know just like kelly had said well i you told me that i can do this but whether i retain it well you know there's probably a you know, a YouTube video or some sort of, you know, resource out there that, hey, I remember this can be done. I can mm -hmm. refer back to it later. And we, we do post several how-to things on YouTube, just, just like anybody, you know, any and other company does. I was also does. kind of, when I asked that question, I was, I was also thinking more of a new things on the market I've noticed, because we have a lot of people who will say, I saw this can you get me that? What about right. things like that when you see it? Well, and I think, I, I, I think that's good to an extent of, again, that, um, you know, just like it's important for ATP suppliers and the clinicians to understand the equipment, it's important for the patients to understand the equipment and mm -hmm. understand what's out there. And that gives them, uh, you know, another opportunity. You know, it is a double-edged sword that, you know, sometimes people do want things that they might not necessarily you know, under their insurance requirements, mm -hmm. um, you know, qualify for, or their insurance deems it as not necessary. But um, I, I think it from, you know, just a patient advocacy and, and being able to um, understand the equipment and what's out there, because, you know, it, it may lead to, oh, well, gosh, I, I do have the, this problem where they, before they may not have went to their doctor and said anything or went to their therapist and mm -hmm. said, hey, I have this going on. I saw that this piece of equipment is out there that could help me, you know, so maybe it, it, it you know, it's useful for, you know, patients that would have not otherwise sought out help Absolutely. or sought out equipment that, that now they've, you know, increased their quality of life, well, increased it's, their it's abilities. It's also weird because in the old days, you know, I'm thinking 15 years ago, MedTrade was ginormous the International Seeing Symposium was ginormous. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, as our industry has taken a hit, 
even the cool things that we could bring back have taken a hit because you can't see all the vendors. They're, they're not there anymore. So at least with us, sometimes it's been helpful for some of our customers to go onto the web. Hey, I found this and we've learned of new products on the market or even um, existing suppliers. Um, you guys have products that we didn't know about, but our customers brought to us because they saw it on the internet and on YouTube or on something like that, which right. was, I, I like that aspect of it. Um, I wrote this quote down that you said earlier, no one has time to write war and peace for our documentation letters. If we can be efficient, the patient gets their equipment in a more reasonable time. What's the best way of just cutting to the point a justification letter? Without I, I, writing war piece. Yeah, I think it's it's being able to organize it in a way that you know the the coverage determination lays it out for us, mm -hmm. and they want to see this piece of information, this piece of information, and being able to um, you know they're not looking for lengthy wording. We need to make it concise. We need to make it detailed, um, but not but we need to allow them to find things easily in the mm -hmm. documentation, the, the key p bits of information. And, um, you know, we need to be, like I said, we need to be detailed and, and, and thorough, but not, um, you know, well, I, I think if I was a reviewer and I had a 15-page letter of medical necessity, it, it probably wouldn't make me too motivated to, to approve that because I want to, you know, search mm -hmm. through 15 pages. But if it's easily there for me to to read and understand and find the information that i that i need um that's in, that's important anything else guys no i think you did a good job of summing it up good so well thank you for answering my questions uh, oh absolutely i my i I'm, I'm so indebted to people like terry who have invested in me but I also have a heart for other suppliers who want to develop an ATP program, what that looks like. And, you know, in a perfect world, we go to the ISS every single year, but we went last year and this year we're too busy. We can't make it up to Vancouver. So how in the meantime, I post this stuff out so people can at least listen to Wade and say, hey, I learned something new. Right. I don't have to tell so-and-so to write War and Peace to justify that K5 chair. So Absolutely. Thank you for your time. All right, thank you. Wade just knocked it out of the park. We haven't had a chance to talk about vendors and what makes a great vendor relationship, but a huge shout out to Quantum Mobility because one of the things that great vendors do is they will invest in their suppliers. And this is what Quantum has done with us over the years. Terry, who is my quantum rep, actually started on the pride mobility side of things. And he's, I, I think I've known Terry for about 14 years. When I was a small vendor with literally one, maybe two employees underneath me, he would come to my store every four to six weeks and give me, you know, he wanted me to sell his lift chairs and his scooters, but he gave me tips on how to set my store up, how to optimize it for retail sales, and little things like that because I was an English slash history major in college. I did not go to business school. Terry was a huge, huge help. And likewise, a good vendor, is not, they're not just giving you 
great prices. Um, you, you have to have a good relationship with them. You have to have trust. They have to sell, give you a quality product and they have to give you great prices as well too. So huge shout out to Quantum. They've done all that. Plus they have a clinical education aspect of their company. Another thing that Quantum does is they also have an ATP training program where they will, you can, I know they just recently had a training program at MedTrade, but they are they are there throughout uh, throughout the country. So uh, reach out to them, and you can find that out there. But uh, whether it's Quantum or another vendor, choose a vendor that will invest into you as a store as well too. So that concludes this episode of DME Coach. Hey, I am here to help you through the DME apocalypse. Feel free to reach out to me via cell phone or email, and I would love to coach you because, hey, if you are not getting coached in the right direction, you run the risk of getting nailed at a left field by something unexpected that you don't plan for. I've done the research, and every piece of lit, every piece of literature that I have read about coaching is your ROI, return on investment, is three to five times higher than what you pay, put into it. So it's one of those things, hey, if I if you give me $10 and I can give you $30 to $50 back, you're going to play that game every single day of the week. So don't get hit out of left field. Um, give me a call. I'd love to work with you. I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to um, sharpen your business plan so when you go to work in the morning, you are just firing on all cylinders. That is our job here at DME Coach. So next week as at DME Coach, we are going to talk about attuning. A, a, a what? Attuning. And tuning to your team members. If you have no idea what it means, it will blow you away. And you will be amazed at what your relationship with your team members and customers, if you can learn the skill of attuning to your customers. If you can learn the skill of attuning. So until next week, take really good care of your customers, take even better care of your team members and have an amazing week. Mm -hmm.